0: my primary critique is I really hope that people of European descent wake up to who they are truly and that they reject whiteness. Because within the system of race, in addition to the erasure that comes from losing their culture, whiteness has a lot of violence and a lot of oppression built in that, that label that Blackness doesn't have. So my critique and me walking away from race is more so leans towards walking away from whiteness and not honoring whiteness, more so than it is what I feel about, you know, people who identify as Black.
1: The Grow Dialogue podcast is a liberation project that explores equity, inclusion, belonging, conflict resolution, and culture in the workplace and beyond, including in our personal relationships, families, and communities. Each week, Dr. Sunjata Sunjata and I will bring you insightful guest interviews and artistic expressions curated to amplify emerging voices who are sharing practices that support society's transition to a more collaborative, just, sustainable, and liberating coexistence. We live during a time when divisiveness and polarization dominate the social, economic, and political discourse. In response to this reality and empowered with the skills of authentic dialogue and systems thinking, Dr. Sunjata Sunjata created an anti-oppression framework for social sustainability called Theory of Indivisibility to help illuminate a different path forward. Our hope is that these conversations and calls to action will ignite tolerance and empathy and provide guidance for our global listeners who want to actively engage in ending all forms of oppression while creating thriving relationships in the workplace and beyond. I'm Mariella Marie. Let's grow dialogue.
2: All right. So we are live and I'm just going to unofficially call this a second birthday for you. I know you got a birthday coming up. I think we'll probably, we'll definitely publish this before your actual birthday, the day that your mother brought you into this world and you decided to come into this world. But today we're going to talk about some new discoveries that you have recently uh, received as far as your ancestry is concerned. So happy birthday, happy second birthday. I don't even know what we, this is such a new you know, like phenomenon uh, just in our current state of humanity. So I don't know what to call this. So uh, I'm just right now. The only thing I can think of is like, it's your second birthday. So um, (laughs) I know our audience is probably interested to know, like, what is she talking about? So Sunjata has just received um, his ancestry results. I believe you used African com. Is that correct? Yes. All right. So let us know what you discovered.
0: Yeah. Before I even let you know the results, I just have to say that um, this has been a long time coming for me. Um, You know, I would say that I really became like conscious and aware of um, and started to think deeply about my identity um, several years ago, uh, probably, you uh, you know, going back to around 2015, 2014, 2016, so several years ago. Um, and really because at that time I was doing a podcast called race Haven solutions, focused dialogue about race relations in America. So in preparation for that podcast, I was always reading about researching, you know, historical elements about race and, and our society. And it was around that time that I really sat with the, the idea that, um, my name, my given name, um, was the last name of my given name was a name that was chosen for my family by a slave owner. It was basically given to my family by a slave owner, given to my enslaved ancestors. And I I was still carrying that name, um, you know, in the present day, began to just not feel good for me. You know, and so the first thing I decided to do was to change my name. But before I decided to change my name, I probably thought about that for a year or two before I actually did it. And one of the things that I was gonna do before I did it was, do a DNA test and figure out where my family was from, and then choose a name based on that. At that time, probably about six, seven years ago, it was still a developing, you know, uh, industry in terms of DNA testing. And I didn't feel too confident in it, to be honest, because I was reading stories about, um, you know, different people in Africa who had taken like Ancestry.com, et cetera, type tests, and they actually know their you know, people who had my, you know, immigrated here, who actually, you know, grew up in Africa, um, and they know their history, and they were saying that the results were off. So for me, that was like a red flag, and I just I didn't have trust in it. So I went on in 2018 to go ahead and choose a name, and I chose the name Sunjata Sunjata, which is Mandinka, um, and I knew that the Mandinka people primarily um, inhabited the country now known as Mali. So I just decided to do that. I liked the name, it resonated with me for several reasons. And um, that's the choice I made. As time went along, I began this company called African Ancestry came on my radar uh, a couple of years ago. And I've literally spent at least about two, two years, maybe even a little longer learning about African Ancestry, spending time reading their website, watching videos, reading reviews, learning about the science, et cetera. And I got to the point where I was comfortable going with this company um, because one, they are uh, owned and operated by people of African descent in America. They have the largest database of actual indigenous African people from which to test from to match results too. And I love the fact that they could track, because of that, they were able not only to Trace my ancestry back to a modern-day country in Africa, which is the names that have been given to them after, you know, colonization. But also to an indigenous tribe in Africa, and that got me really excited to think that I could connect back to an indigenous people, or groups of indigenous people by name, by tribe, and that was became really you know exciting to me, and I decided to do it. And they do two different tests. Um, one is called a uh, mitochondrial DNA test which traces my mother's my mother and her mother and then which is my grandmother my great-grandmother great-great-grandmother all the way back through that grandmother mother line back 500 to 2,000 years and then i did a paternal test which is called a um y dna test which traced back my father my grandfather great-grandfather great great-grandfather all the way back 500 to 2000 just that one line So the unique thing about these tests is it only goes one line. It doesn't necessarily trace my mother's father's line or my father's mother's line, but it gave me one line of ancestry across both. And I did it. (laughs) And um, I, what I learned was the great reveal, right? (laughs) Let's get the drum roll. (laughs) So, I learned um, for my maternal genetic ancestry that I descend from the Fula people living currently in the country of Guinea-Bissau in West Africa on the coast, as well as the Capel people living in Liberia, and the Mendi and Timni people living in Sierra Leone. So those countries are all very much close to one another on the Western coast of Africa. And it was just, again, just for the first time in my life, you have to understand for those who are listening, you know, I'm not sure how much to what degree people have processed what I'm about to say or at what stage in their life they process what I'm about to say, whether you're a person of African descent or someone else. But as someone who grew up in America, who is primarily descendant of enslaved Africans whose ancestry was cut off, whose names, heritage, language, culture, was taken from them once they were enslaved. So therefore I was born into a world with no ties to my true roots. My my roots and my ties literally that I know of literally only go back a hundred and something years to a plantation based on name, which is the speed name, which is my given last name, goes back to the speed plantation. And I'm so grateful that I I'm alive during a time where we have access to the science um, of, you know, DNA science and, 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 genetics where I've been able to find place again, um, to Africa beyond just saying I'm from somewhere in West Africa. You know, I literally July 11th, 2022 is when I now can say that I am attached to specific people in specific countries or you know regions of West Africa. And that's very meaningful to me. So <laughs> that's my maternal results. Now, here comes my paternal results. So the paternal results were really interesting because my paternal line leads back to drum roll,
1: <laughs>
0: my paternal results lead back to Portugal and Spain. They were non-African results. And African Ancestry did a good job of preparing me and people who purchased their tests to to know that thirty-five. there's a 35% chance that that I would get a non-African result on the paternal side. It's a 92 ch- t- excuse me, 92% chance that I'll get an African result on the maternal side, but again, only a 60, I'll, I'll flip it and say only a 65% chance that I'll get a African result on the paternal side. Why is that? Colonization, enslavement. So what did I have to download? What did I have to process that that means? That means that more than likely, during the slave trade, a man of you know Spanish or Portuguese or and Portuguese descent, um, you know, impregnated a woman of African descent that is an ancestor of mine who was enslaved. I don't know if that was consensual. More than likely, based on the history, it wasn't. And the way I thought about it, I was like, you know, it could have happened. It could have happened on the continent of Africa. It could have happened on the middle, during the Middle Passage, um, you know, as they were being shipped over to the States or to the Caribbean somewhere. There's a huge Portuguese and, and Spanish um, presence and colonization presence all throughout the Americas. So, you know, that 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 connection could have happened in so many places. It could have happened on the soils of the Americas during slavery. So. During slavery here while that person was enslaved here, you know, so my mind went in all those places like where where did it happen, you know that this man. This European man impregnated impregnated this enslaved woman of African descent and basically, the way that the, the test read and the results read it said that the majority. Of my DNA on my paternal side was Portuguese and Spanish so what that tells me is it wasn't that far up that that encounter happened in terms of in my my um, genealogy. So I'll pause there to see if you have any questions. I mean, again, it, it once I started to process this, my mind went a lot of places I shared some of the places it went, but I'll let you jump back in Mariella, to see if you have any questions or anything you would like to share based on what I've shared so far.
2: Well, I got this, I'm going to put this in my calendar. July 11 2022 is your uh, coming out birthday, I don't know, we need to figure out what, what we celebrate this as, you're, um, you know, so that we can, you know, be intentional about celebrating this. And I am, I'm behind you, Sujata. Uh, I'm, I'm about to give my test as well. So we, we can do another uh, episode and, and I, I'm i yes. thrilled to be able to share my discoveries. Um, something that comes up for me just to reflect on some of the things you're, you're already sharing, whew, is what do you feel? What does that make you feel inside? And how do you how do you practice what you preach in the sense that, you know, using tools of indivisibility, authentic dialogue, all these things to walk through sharing the, this story, these lost stories, you know, with yourself internally and, and with the people around you because, and I bring this up because you know that, and some of you who are listening know that um, I spent a year at Spelman College um, as a transfer student, and in order to graduate from Spelman College, um, everyone is required to take at least one year, or it might be one semester, I think it's one year of, of, a, of a class called ADW, the African Diaspora and the World. In this class, we learn everything that has been kept out of history books, everything that has not been shared from our lineage, from our from our elders, and it makes people I mean, we were crying in that class. People were declaring that they hated non-African descent people. There's so much emotion that comes up when you know when we discover these lost stories based on you know the history of the United States in particular, but the world because Portugal, Spain, as you were saying, Africa, uh, several places in the world contributed to you know where we are today. So we can't point the finger at one person. My question is, you know, more on a self-care side. How do you bring in these tools that you're sharing with us that help us to practice being harmonic within ourselves, within our communities, using tools of indivisibility, authentic dialogue, these things that you that you share? How do you practice what you preach in this case? And I know this is very new, so maybe you haven't even been able to share so much and, and put this into practice, but for those who are listening, who might be on you know, the verge of discovering this information, um, as I mentioned before, when I was at, when I was at Spelman College, you know, we had to hold, we had to hold space for people to like, say, you no, know, you know, we're all human, you know, you, it's not healthy to, to hate other people, even though we have this, you know, dirty history in our culture. So I don't want people to, to go through this discovery and, and then use tools of oppression um to share their story or to you know pump themselves up so i just i would love to pass the mic to you to, to share tools of indivisibility and an authentic dialogue in this process
0: yes so how it made me feel um you know i'll share that i was probably more emotional and wondering about what i would feel during the um process of me making a decision that I was going to do this more so than after I did it. I thought that I would be more emotional when I got my results than I was. I'll say it that way. And I'm not sure why, but it just is. <laughs> and But another thing that I'd like to bring to the forefront based on what you shared about what happened in your class, um, I grew up for the majority of my life. I remember very early on as a young person when I started to learn about segregation and, and slavery in America that I, I, at one point as a teenager, I had thoughts, a young teenager, 13, 12, 13, 14, that I, I hate people of European descent, people who identify as white people in this, in this country. And I remember thinking that after I watched the movie Mississippi Burning, and it was about the freedom riders and, and, and things that happened in the South. Um, and it, it, after watching it, I was like, I hate, people of European descent back then, I would say white people. And <clears throat> what's interesting is, as I've continued to learn as I, as I continue to just be curious, you know, my, my feelings have definitely evolved in understanding that I can't hold a whole segment of group of people accountable for something that um, you know, some people did. And then as my lens continued to grow and I continue to evolve as I got older. And i started to understand systems i began to understand how systems are more influential than individual choices and that's something that i've said for people who follow my work and who may have listened to my theory of indivisibility podcast they've heard me say that over and over and what i mean by that is that sometimes people are in a position to cause harm and unintentionally because we're simply playing the game by the rules of the game, meaning we are li- literally just following along and doing what we need to do based on the way our current socioeconomics and political systems are set up. And you know, an example of that, for example, I can say we can talk about um, environmental degradation. I'm sure in our day-to-day lives, no one intends to do things that hurt the environment, but we all do. Unintentionally, unconsciously, even because we're just doing things the way things have been set up. We're living our lives in a way where we're doing and we're living and using products and buying things and, you know, consuming things at a rate that is unnatural and unhealthy for the environment. But as individuals, none none of us as one person can tip the scale on that. Um, Flying airplanes, driving cars, eating meat every day like so many things that i've learned that play a negative have a negative impact on the environment that is beyond you know uh, all of us as individuals another example is just by simply living in this country and owning a home and doing the things that we do we are participating in the oppression of the indigenous people of these countries of these lands in the americas you know, by us participating in the American dream and and wanting to, you know, again own things and do all these things, we are live. We are going against their way of life, and we are unintentionally, unconsciously, keeping them oppressed and harming the land that they had a they had a relationship with, where they were stewards of land, not owners of land. And here we are living out the colony colonizers' dream by wanting to own land and consume and make a lot of money and and work and all these things that contribute to this capitalistic system that it hurts the land and it hurts so many people but is it intentional or are we just playing the game by the rules that were given to us so i'll go even further with that now to explain where i'm going with this so one of the things that i've learned more recently that i did not know growing up when i my understanding of slavery was that People from Europe took ships down to Africa, went in with their guns and violently kidnapped Africans and brought them to the Americas and Europe for slavery. I've since learned that that's not what happened. I've since learned that there were people in power of African descent who traded enslaved Africans with the to the Europeans. And there was a whole system. It wasn't called capitalism then but there was a system where these people in power would get goods and resources from Europeans in exchange for enslaved Africans. And I had no concept of that until literally within probably the last five or six years. And I've since read books. I've since seen certain shows that have evolved to now, like shows about slavery and historical shows that have evolved to show that part of it. And with the tests that I just took from African ancestry, they actually provide um, a document that tells the history from the various places that you could be from. So when I read the history of my indigenous people, it spoke about that. It actually spoke about how some of those people were enslavers, meaning they were the ones capturing and enslaving other people of African descent and trading them to Europeans. So when you talk about placing blame and being upset with Europeans, then you would also also have to be upset with our African ancestors and those who participated in the slave trade on that continent. And there's so much more i can go deeper in that but i'll stop there and i say that one of the things that i learned through systems thinking is there's no one to blame there were so many forces that contributed to this idea of trade and 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 exchange of goods for more resources to get ahead and have more power and power over and control as a system had already left the the train station and infiltrated its way into many societies including into many places in Africa that contributed to the slave trade, and it continues to, it continues to evolve in in terms of different like, let's say economies and economic systems um, that led to a lot of different outcomes that oppress people even today. So it gets me it has further gotten me away from the idea of blame and shame, and more into the idea of what can we do now going forward to improve relationships and to make sure that we aren't oppressing people how can we create new systems that don't perpetuate those oppressive systems from the past
2: yes oh my goodness i feel like we need a whole we need a whole season to unpack this cuz i have so many questions coming up just from your thoughtful response and the research that you've done even in regards to you know making sure that you wanted to go with this particular company in order to do the test. So I just applaud you for all of that intentionality. Um, We've only got a couple minutes left. So what's next in the liberation process for you? And what would you like to throw our way so that we can consider that as we explore these topics more?
0: So for one, I do plan on taking a test with the company called 23andMe. They do an autosomal test, which which takes into account all of our DNA. From, uh, from as far back as 500 years. so it doesn't go back as far but it does trace all the lines and it gives a percentage breakdown of the various ethnicities and you know our, our background based on our DNA. And so that's next. Another thing is that this information continues to evolve my my mindset on the system of race And you know a year or two ago I decided to reject the system of race as a social construct and understanding that it is man-made. The idea of race is man-made. And this idea that there's Black people and white people in the world is man or human-made. It's nothing real. It's nothing true. It's nothing scientific about it. So this, these results and these tests further confirmed for me my decision to reject race as a social construct and to reject the idea that there's white people and Black people in the world. I believe that there's you know, people of European descent who have rich cultures of You know spanish and italian and irish and 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 british you know histories and ethnicities that even go beyond that and i believe there's people of african descent with roots and history in the caribbean islands and on the continent of africa and you know countries like nigeria and ghana and sierra leone etc as well as with the indigenous people like the yoruba and you know the 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 fula and all the various names that I've mentioned that I'm I descend from in different foods and different you know traditions and that all in my mind get erased when we just consolidate and and distill everything down to black people, white people, and I believe the future when you when you ask me what I think is next I see a future where more and more people will start to take these tests and learn the truth because the reality is. I am, I consist of as of right now, and I'm going to learn more, but I know I consist of people of African descent and I consist of people of European descent. So I choose to, to honor and embrace my full heritage, you know, all elements of who, of where I'm from. And, you know, I reject the power over control that was built into the concept of race that said that some people had to choose. You know, if they if they were you know mixed and they knew but they had a parent of indigenous descent and a parent of African descent, some people were told were told that they had to choose back in the 1800s. Either you choose that you're indigenous or you choose that you're 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 African American or black or what a Negro or whatever back then. Or if you if you were have a parent of European descent and a parent of African descent, because of the quote unquote one drop rule. Again, which is rooted in slavery and power over control, and the idea that you know we can place you in this this caste, this this social caste, this social hierarchy. You you're you're black or you're African American if you have any in you. I reject all of that, and I believe the future will um, reveal itself to have more and more people rejecting race and the divisiveness and the standardization and the erasure and the power over control embedded in it. So that's what I see for the future.
2: Yes, I love that. Thank you for ending on that hopeful note. And I agree with you, I'm on that train as well. Um, and you mentioned that people were having to decide back in the 1800s, people today are having to decide still and have to deny a part of themselves. You know, this checking box that we that we tend to talk about on this podcast, you know, we and it's so inspiring to see people like you you know our listeners who are interested and curious about like not being so linear with the way that we see things and not having it just be so polarized and binary and black and white I mean literally so thank yes. you for demystifying this thank you for practicing what you preach also you know showing because you're you're curious on your own and you also are you know I don't want to use the word modeling but yeah you're modeling that the visibility piece is is so important here so that people who might, you know, feel more connected with you because they look like you or they feel like you could be like you know, a brother or an uncle or, you know, a distant relative, they can say, oh, look at what Sunjata's doing. Let me try to get a second birthday too.
0: <laughs> and and Marielle, I feel like I need to say one more thing. Um, I want to honor the fact that for a lot of people, the idea of being Black is rooted in struggle, It's rooted in empowerment during a time where you know, people were taking back, um, their, uh, agency, uh, their, their right to exist. And there's a lot of camaraderie, uh, built around this, this community of people who identify as black. I don't want to, I don't want my words to diminish that in any way. I want people to understand that that is not lost on me. Uh, I want people to understand that, you know, the decision I made for myself is not something I'm projecting onto any listener or others. Um, and I, for me, I believe there's a way for me to hold on to that part of my my culture without using the words and the language and the divisiveness that was uh, brought about through the system of race. But I do, you know, I often when I speak about this, I get a lot of pushback from people who take a lot of pride in being Black. And I just want to say that my primary critique is I really hope that people of European descent wake up to who they are truly and that they reject whiteness because within the system of race, in addition to the erasure that comes from losing their culture, whiteness has a lot of violence and a lot of, you know, oppression built in that that label that Blackness doesn't have. So my critique and me walking away from race is more so leans towards walking away from whiteness and not honoring whiteness more so than it is what I feel about, you know, people who identify as Black.
2: Yes, thank you for that clarification. And actually, Even though we're ending now, I want to continue to talk about this because I know we might get a lot of questions from our listeners. Um, And please feel free, everyone, to join our community so that we can continue to unravel, unpack these conversations. And you all can, you know, maybe ask Sinjata some questions that he didn't get a chance to to, um, reveal during this uh, short session. Um, Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing your truth. Thank you for, you know, having the courage to, Find out the the lost stories of your people. And, um, well, we'll see you on the next podcast episode, everyone. Take
0: care. Love y'all. Peace.
1: Thanks for tuning in to the Grow Dialogue podcast. Remember to join our Grow Dialogue community to continue the conversation, activate authentic dialogue, and to get exclusive content, discounts, and special offers on curated artwork and music from independent artists from the Americas. Check out our show notes for more info and visit www.growdialog.com to join our live events. Don't forget to support us on Patreon. We really appreciate your support.